Welcome everybody to the Split Six Podcast, the podcast where we split a six-pack and talk about three different topics each over the course of one beer. I'm your host, Nick Wagella, and I am very, very happy to be joined today by John Church, everybody. What's going on, everyone? How's it going, John? Quite all right, Nick. Good to finally be here. I know we were discussing uh, coming up on the one-year anniversary of Split Six here. That's right, yeah. And I finally made it on. Made it on before the year. There we go. <laughs> Indeed, and I'm so excited about that. Oh, uh, I already told you like two times, but I got to tell you on the podcast so people don't think I'm an asshole. Happy birthday, Nick. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's right, everybody. The, I am 27 today. He's in the uh, the 27 club, though. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Not, hopefully, I'll make it out. <laughs> yeah, not in that regard. You know, don't go the way of uh, you Cobain know, or Joplin. Or seriously, though, like five Hendrix. years ago, I always said, I'm going to die when I'm 27, so... Don't be surprised, everyone. All the cool people do it, so, you know. <laughs> um, but in honor of my birthday today, I picked out my favorite beer, which most of you know is Dirty Blonde by Atwater. John, how do you feel about this beer? Also one of my favorites as well, yes. I know Atwater is very near and dear to both our hearts. I yes. would say it's probably my favorite uh, favorite brewery. Went down there for the first time in October. Would recommend, if you ever get the chance, go uh, go hit them up. Yeah, um, was the roof op- access open? Uh, it was not. It was October, a bit, a bit oh, chilly. Oh yeah, yeah. But we went in like early summer, I think, and they were just like building stuff up there or something. And I was pretty excited to check nice. it out. Nice. Yeah, there's but... the there's the warehouse there on Jefferson, I want to say, and then there's also um, it's like a beer garden in Gross Point Park. Mm-hmm. Driven by there a few times. That looks pretty neat. Never been though. Yeah, well, let's crack these open let's and do it. describe the taste we know so well. Cheers, my brother. Cheers, mate. Wish I could say it was my first beer of the day, but I had a hop slam earlier. Not mine either, so I'm right there with you. Oh, it's just so good. It is very, very weedy. Wheat ale but- brewed with orange peel and coriander coriander indeed and the orange is very subtle uh, it can, orange can be overpowering mm. in, in certain beers but God, uh, i haven't had one of these in a while huh? it has been reminds too long. me of the summer just can't wait it, for that though. it will be here it even feels like it so yes yeah, i'm, how we I'm are. right there with you can't wait we're in a nice warm warm uh, batch of this michigan winter i got shorts on and everything so you know i'm happy <laughs> yeah you don't you don't never or you don't ever have pants on normally so <laughs> january is rough man it's near zero there that i can't dig that. did you even wear a shirt the day when it was like 55 a couple weeks ago <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. a, a bit a bit inelegant at my age to you know go, go shirtless but uh, I'm, not, I'm not that old <laughs> yeah well um so we got a lot to talk about today a lot going on got some uh you know NFL playoffs, obviously, Oscar nominations, and you know, Dig it. fucking dumbass Democrats and stupid ass Republicans to talk about. But the thing is, just another day in America. We still got about forty seconds until we get to our first drop, John. So how how's your week going? How was your weekend? What's up? What's on your mind? My week's been going pretty well. Just uh. Trivia up the wazoo, that is now my only job, so I'm enjoying that. Uh, what did I do? Today your uh, only day off this week? Actually, actually, this is a very light week for me. I got. Uh, I normally do a show tomorrow, but I'm taking that off to go to a concert with my cousins. 
uh, a band you uh, you know and love, what? Walk, walk the Moon. Oh, gross. Oh. <laughs> My brother Dylan, who doesn't listen to this podcast because he doesn't Dylan. love me enough. I'd uh, give you a shout out, man. But... <laughs> loves that band. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. It's it's very rare for you and I to not find common ground on music because uh, we do so many other times, but uh, we'll have to agree, to agree to disagree on this band. Yes, that one foot in front of the other one song. That, just that song I do not care for. That song I do not care for. But man, first album, <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, I have given and, them an unfair shot, but you know, just it's too late for me now. I already fair, don't like them. Fair enough. Every little they, thing's gonna piss me off. But they are very good live, and I'm looking forward to that tomorrow night. All right. Well, we got to get into this, so let's start it. Let's do it. Beer number one. Sport. Okay, so um, let's start with the NFL playoffs, and we could div- d- dive into the Larry Nassar from Michigan State things later. That's a good start. Um, so how was your reaction to the game? So which game did you like better? Well, that's a dumb question. Um, <laughs> which game were you more surprised with? Probably also a dumb uh, Well, that one yeah. might be interesting, actually. Yes, it's um, so Sunday, early in the day, I had a family, family thing to go to, and I walk in, and my roommate Trevor is watching... Um, Jacksonville, New England, this is beginning of the fourth, and Jacksonville's up 2010, and I, I'm almost ashamed to I am ashamed to admit. I actually thought, wow, are they actually going to do this? Are they going to upset them? For, <laughs> and for like two minutes, I entertained this thought. And, uh, and, and I thought, because, you know, you do your annual playoff pick them, and I had uh, I'd picked New England and Minnesota. I should have picked Jacksonville just from a strategic standpoint because I, had to, I, you know, if I wanted to have any chance to win, yeah. I needed to bank on Jacksonville beating the Patriots, but I couldn't do it. And smartly, and and, and along that same, you know, brain length, after two minutes of thinking, wow, is Jacksonville actually going to do this? I thought, this is Tom Brady. Um, it wasn't even a year ago. What were they down? 21 or something in the fourth oh from the the super bowl it, yeah they were down 28 to 3 unbelievable and at 10 points that's nothing and it proved to be nothing and here we are again what's this is 14 years and 14 times in 18 years or something like that that i think tom since tom brady's been a starter he's missed the super bowl like Four times. And, no, and no, it's the AFC Championship game. Oh, AFC but, Championship game. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's he's, ins- missed, he's only missed that four times. That's insane. And one of them, he was injured. I, I mean, you know this very well. Like football tops my third favorite sport, but I do. Wow. I, I, I do. Wait, I know you're a big baseball fan. What comes in second there? I, I do like hockey. Okay. I, I do like hockey a bit, but I do appreciate watching history and watching greatness and. I mean, have, we've never seen this before, have we? It's, no, I was. That was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Like, I, have you ever seen a dynasty like this? Like, I mean, our sport, sporting, uh, watching lives is a lot shorter than mm-hmm. what history entails. But. I mean, I know uh, Terry Bradshaw and the, the Steelers had a good run. Obviously, Joe Montana, who was the goat before uh, Tom Brady came along, but this is just it's it's something to behold. And you don't even have to know anything about right. football too. To appreciate what they're doing, the only the only thing I could think that could come close is like UConn women's basketball. Like that Gino, is Gino and the gals. Yeah, it's uh, that is an amazing dynasty. I don't even know that. Like, I guess I can look up what their records are, but I know it's insane. 
how many times they've won. Mm-hmm. Pat Summit had a similar run with uh, Tennessee, I know, but but uh, I mean, I don't know. People will probably think of Michael Jordan and the Bulls. With their, I mean, that's a story that's hard to beat. Mm-hmm. That was just the case of just you know the ultimate. Jordan was the ultimate X factor to where. 91, 90, 91 to 93, he's there, and they're unstoppable, the new dynasty. He retires to go play baseball, which proved to be uh, not the greatest idea. <laughs> Comes back at the end of 95, and then uh, it proved to be too late. But then the next three years, three more championships. He was yeah. the difference. And that's that, why, you know. That's a my, story that's hard to beat. It is. But, you know, then, the, then you think of Tom Brady's story. Comes in, takes over from Drew Bledsoe wins the Super Bowl in dramatic fashion against an unbeatable Rams team that was the greatest show on turf. Mm-hmm. Uh, wins two of the next three years or four years, whatever it was after that. And you know now he's coming up on his eighth Super Bowl appearance, going for his sixth win. The only times he's lost is to Eli Manning on what re- they relied on was were miracle catches. Indeed. Yeah. David Tyree, wow. David Tyree. Oh, I was because when I first started watching football, like as like a big fan, was the year Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl. So I was a big 02, Patriots fan. I want to say I think it was 01. Oh yeah, it was 02 because it was the Patriots, of course, won right. the year after 9 11. Mm-hmm. They were like, yeah, well, all that was going on because you know the Patriots. It's a great story. Like that's a great story too. Another part it, of his it legacy. is from a thematic, dramatic mm-hmm. standpoint. You have not to appreciate it, whether you like them or not. Right. Not that mascots matter for the game, but you know it was cool that a patriot won the year after we experienced our biggest uh on give the give the people something to feel good about absolutely um and then you know i was a fan for a while so but then i remember the david tyree catch because my brother dylan is a giants fan and they met in the super bowl and i was like they were about to go undefeated first ever undefeated season perfect season and they didn't do it i was pretty Mm -hmm. upset but you know the the biggest takeaway from that I remember they did that commercial with uh, Mercury Morris, one of the greats from that uh, that Dolphins team that went undefeated, and he was vocal the whole time. You know the Patriots will never match us. They you know we were a, we were in a league of our own, and then like the first commercial that showed after was uh, Perfectville or whatever. Population still I don't know who however many were on the was it seventy two or seventy three Dolphins, and you know. Con- Congratulations, or you're welcome. Signed, Eli Manning, and he did it again four years later. So props Wait. to him. Hold on a second. I don't think the Dolphins went undefeated. They didn't. I, I could have sworn early seventies they had, and that was the early days of the Super Bowl. I, I could have sworn. Okay, wait. Yeah, they were. Seventy-two or seventy-three. I want to say. Jesus Christ! I swear to God. Wait. Was Dan Marino on this team? No, no. Oh. Dan Marino came later. Okay, and, yeah, uh, Mar- so the Dolphins oh. are the only team to win the Super Bowl with the perfect season. Mm-hmm. And okay. The, so the Patriots, they came that close, but Eli and David Tyree, you different know, ideas. For a long time, I had this Mandela effect in my head. You're familiar with the Mandela effect? I've heard of it. Like, where it's like global misremembering, and I always thought, because someone just told me like that. I was like... I was because re- I was talking about that Patriots win mm-hmm. or the loss to David Tyree, and I was like, "Well, the Dolphins did it with Dan Marino before, and they that must have been where we got lost in translation because it wasn't with Dan Marino." Happens. It's complicated. Football football's a complicated. It's its history is complicated. You know, F- football to its credit, and I think this is a big reason why. You know, I mean, 
baseball has always been a part of this country, and I, I still maintain it always will. But football right now, it is national pastime because football is always it has its mind towards the future. It's very uh-huh. rooted in the it's very rooted in the present, even at the expense of its history. So it's it's hard to keep you know tracks on yeah, everything that's happened. There's there's I mean basketball is coming up there in terms of storylines. Basketball is probably a little bit better right now. Um, but football, you're never going to beat that way. That game action looks on TV. It, it's just the, the, I, I don't understand why there's still a Pro Bowl because football does not need an, an yeah. expose like that. You know, they they own a day of the year. They they, they, to... they own a day of the week. <laughs> you know, it, they are always in the spotlights. You yep. know, ba- baseball needs you know something mid a mid season classic to you know bring us up the line on all the storylines. You know what's going on in the sport. Basketball needs that. Hockey needs Basketball that. Basketball does not need an all-star game, I'll tell you that. No, it's, I think that it, is it, the, that it, is, it's just not fun to watch. That is even, that might, that's even more ridiculous than actually the Pro Bowl, I think. It's a 48-minute long slam dunk and skills competition. Yeah, no one tries Defense. that at all. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think all the sports could go. I mean, first of all, baseball needs to get rid of their all-star game having an impact on the World Series. That's well, ridiculous. They, they did. This, oh, they th- did? This was the first year, and that was just a reaction to... Um, I want to say it was a 2002 in Milwaukee. Bud Selig was the baseball's commissioner at the time. He's from Milwaukee. He was the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. And then when the All-Star game finally came to Milwaukee, the game ended in a tie because one team ran out of pitchers, I want to say. Oh, really? And he's like, this is a disaster, and it happened in my hometown. This can't happen. So from from now on, the, the winner of the All-Star game is going to have home field advantage in the World Series. Bud Selig it was a great commissioner. That that was one of his few missteps. And finally, they saw the air of their ways and uh, did away with that because you, you can't put that much so this, this that much influence on a was this exhibition the, game. Was this the last World Series that did it, or did they already change? I, I want to say this year, yeah, because the Dodgers had a better record than the Astros, and they had home field advantage. So this was the first year where it didn't have. Tell you the truth, I don't even remember who won the, all, the MLB All Star Game this year, but I want to say this the, this is the first year where it wasn't in effect, and thank God. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm glad they changed that rule. Um, it was dumb. Small step towards me liking baseball again. We'll see. <laughs> Imagine well, I mean, that. I mean, Ima- ever. I've never liked it. So. This I know. What, what what a world that would be. Yeah. I mean, I there's something I do like. I know that they come out that they're going to be a. They're in favor of a pitch, pitching clock now, or do they say there's going? They to be? say that in spite of um, Major League Baseball and the Players Union being at an impasse on this issue, that I think Rob Manfred and front office is just going to say screw it, we're going to do it anyway. Like a and, twenty second pitching clock? Yeah, it, it's. I think it's twenty seconds. Some of the, uh, I remember Joaquin Benoit was on the Tigers for a minute, and he. He took his sweet time delivering every pitch. He was <laughs> he single handedly added half an hour to the game. Rafael yeah. Betancourt with the Indians back in the day, he was even longer. I think I think the younger pitchers have been trained to be better about getting to home, getting the ball to home plate in a more timely fashion. But some of the old timers were definitely bringing the uh, pace of game to to glacier right. pace, which I is th- not good. You know, and that's not even something that concerns me about baseball. Like, I think if baseball really wants to address some of their issues is wake up and realize that 162 games is too many fucking games. It really is. Um, 
I do think in our lifetime, in our lifetime, hell, next decade is totally feasible. They go back to an 154 game schedule, which I'm sure not that much. I'm sure you'd you'd say (laughs) even that's too much. Uh But it was 154 games up until 1960. I want 60, 61, because they actually played a big deal when uh, Roger Maris was trying to break Babe Ruth's single season home run record, because that was the first year after they went to went from 154 to 162. And it would, it would keep the players more conditioned. The World Series would end sooner as opposed yeah. to, you know. Into football season, or like the heart well, of football well, it's season. Well, it's always going to go into October, but, I mean, there have been World Series games in November. Can you imagine if the right. Twins ever went to the World Series? You have outdoor games in Minnesota in November. Football's, yeah, football's no, bad silly. enough. Like, I think that baseball would take away as many games as it would take for the world series to end like the last week of september first week of october i think that would be a, a lot better for them well, or back, if well, we want to go crazy imagine a 16 game baseball schedule i would be a i think i would be a giant baseball fan if, if it were a 16 game schedule the tigers would be, would be legitimate contenders next year because in 16 games anything can happen right yeah it's, <laughs> it's a marathon not a, it's a marathon not a sprint but uh it's not it's like the opposite of well football they would have more games if it wasn't so physically demanding yes and they'd play more than one day a week but the right. sports are very different in that regard so you understand that why yeah it's only 16 i think it, i mean i definitely think that it, it's the most lax of all the sports like least physically demanding unless you're a pitcher and that's why they have so many at the same at the same time you know they do play six days a week yeah. and, there, and there are inherent dangers with you know a pitcher getting hit off hit with a, a batted ball a batter taking right. a ball to the face or something like well, that you Though, know every um, single play a football player could get concussed and die that's true <laughs> that's true and and yet i i repeatedly see um studies where they show basketball to be the most dangerous sport Really? Just by virtue of the jumping, the uh, leg hazards. Oh, I mean, oh, hell. Yeah, you mean like dangerous, like over to the overall body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can, and, I can believe. I mean, that. Sean Livingston was at ten right. years, ten or twelve years ago. God, but I'd his rather, his leg rather, became a greater than sign. Right. Uh, I think like when you measure how dangerous a sport is, you got to factor in the severity of concussions compared to well, the rest. F- football like, is the, football is the one faced right. with the the greatest health dilemma F- before football, so i mean and hockey just lower key in hockey mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean that's like because like your leg can heal you you know you just maybe you can't play the True. game again but you still can walk and have a normal life but if your brain's fucked up you can lots that's of, gonna like, uh, that's gonna fuck with your functions and right. so like, a lot of football players commit more ways suicide than one because it's they, sad it, it really is sad but uh, well, I'm glad we got some baseball talking. I've not talked baseball on this podcast. I've figured as much from what I've heard. But Any, anything I'm else just bringing, going on I'm just in the bring, baseball world? I'm just bringing new flavor to this. Oh, not, how, do you, how do you feel about the Tigers? Do you think they should? The Tigers you, are. I, I, th- I think I've been very impressed that they sold off and managed to go from whatever place they were to the bottom of the league. I am happy about it, too. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive that, by management. That is a, a important development, even though... Baseball is not like football where, you know, no one pays attention to the baseball draft like they do the yeah. NFL draft because, you know, for the NFL draft, these are these are players who are ready to make a difference in the NFL. Right. You know, the fortunes of an NFL team can turn on who they draft. Baseball, these guys aren't going to make an impact for five years. It's very right. rare where you see a Bryce Harper who barely spends any time in the minor leagues and comes up and makes an impact at the age of 19. 
So it's yeah, it's yeah. it's a process. So it's not as big a deal that the Tigers have the number one pick, but it doesn't hurt because their farm system has kind of sucked for a long time, and it can't hurt to have the their pick it whoever they want out of all amateur talent right and i always like say like i'm not for teams tanking because you know i'm never going to tell mm-hmm. if i'm i'm never going to be a coach and tell my players not to try their hardest or I'm never going to you be. are you are herm edwards you right. play to win the game <laughs> right but what i am for is managers getting their roster to be so bad that they have no choice but to be the worst See, here's the and thing that's what the tigers did so here's the th- that was beautiful. One of the most beautiful things about baseball in recent years is the validation of that philosophy with what the Chicago Cubs and Houston Astros have done yeah. the last two years. They they both became very bad, especially the Astros. The Astros were losing over 100 games for like three or four years, and look where that got them. The Cubs, the Cubs went over 100 years without winning a World Series, but just through a commitment to, we're going to suck, we're going to be really bad, but we are going to stockpile so much young talent that you give us three or four years. They actually arrived ahead of schedule, and you know, yeah, look, look look where they are. So one of the best World Series ever. I even watched some of those games. See, that's the, that's the thing. That World Series transcended baseball. You know, mm-hmm. people got caught up in what the Cubs were doing because everyone knows the story of the Cubs and their misfortunes. So that was mm-hmm. that was very good for baseball. That you know, they had a, a crossover a crossover appeal like that, which. The, Super Bowl seems to have every year. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty cool. Um, this year's World Series was cool for Detroiters because it was Verlander there. That was. Uh, it was the next best thing. As much as I wanted for JV, my uh, my favorite athlete, to win a World Series here, at least he got to do it with Houston, and he he added to his Hall of Fame resume. And he really was the X factor that puts uh, that put Houston over the top. So, from afar, that was that was fun to watch. Who are the early favorites for next year? Have to be very uh, impressed with what the Yankees have done, going out and getting Giancarlo Stanton to add to Aaron Judge. Between Aaron the two, Judge, man, he's between like, the two of them, he's like my favorite player in baseball. He's just he's, he's a, cool a freak. Name. For you to be a good player for me, you got to be good and you got to have a cool name. Cool name. That's, That's why uh, I like Steph Curry so much because he's cooking it up. Always that uh, that long range jumper. It's something else. But the Yankees are. Uh, Obviously going to be a force to be reckoned with. I still think the Astros are probably the best team in baseball. Uh-huh. Dodgers will be back. As much as I hate to say it, uh, the Indians will once again be very good. Though uh, it hasn't helped them the last few years. <laughs> Come playoff time. <laughs> Choking. Uh, all right. Well, let's get back to football. Indeed. Um, it's timely. So the other game was the Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles. What uh, what a dumpster fire that was for Minnesota. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what if, a shocker that yeah, game was I, to I, me. I, th- I thought it would at least be a game. I, I mean, I didn't feel great picking the Vikings, but I thought they had a legitimate chance, and Philly just blew them right on. Yeah, they, they had no chance, it seemed. Nope. Like, I don't know if Joe Mishnovich listens to this podcast, but uh, my sincerest condolences about uh, your... Uh, he, he probably won't listen to it this week because I was yeah. talking. Well, no, he doesn't follow me on Twitter. But I was talking shit to Vikings on Twitter <laughs> because you know, if hated rivals, I get it. You know, it's 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 like me with the Tigers <laughs> and the Indians. It's if you can't revel in your team winning, you might as well revel in your rivals losing. Yeah, you know? yeah. I did though switch my pick last minute to the Vikings. Oof, so, man, fuck me on that. Are you eliminated? Yeah. Yes, I'm eliminated uh, for my, my playoff pick. Em. That's a that's a bummer. That's too bad, man. Yeah, I just I wanted the Vikings to win to be honest because 
you know, especially after Tom Brady won, like I don't think mm-hmm. I think it's gonna. Well, at the time, I thought it'd be a blowout in the Super Bowl if Philadelphia made it, and the Vikings having home field advantage might actually make it a game. See, that would be neat. While I have no attachment to the Minnesota Vikings, you can. You, it's, it's hard. It's easy to get on board with. You know. A home field Super Bowl win. How often do you see that? Never. It's never happened. But that's that would be something else. But not going to happen. Right. It would be some kind of upset if uh, Bulls and the boys can pull it off. Yeah. I, I mean, for one, am not optimistic. I think, like I've said on this podcast, and I love to say, Tom Brady is touched by God, and he will find a way to win. Really is. Like I don't know what I mean either or either that or Bill Belichick has mind control abilities because for some reason these teams that they play when they're up in it's these the hoodie games, man what is going on with that hoodie it, it's yeah like you can compare the Atlanta Falcons game last year when it was twenty eight to three and the Patriots came back and win like they made some really dumb coaching decisions all of a sudden out of nowhere like doing a a uh, play action pass where Matt Ryan gets sacked for like mm-hmm. 30 yards gets kicked out of field goal range or whatnot like why would they do that why would they call it they've been calling it small smart all game they do that in Jacksonville just like changing their whole game plan and stopping the pass and just being super conservative playing to the Patriots strengths as if they thought 10 points was going to do it I mean did they not watch the Super Bowl last year right 25 wasn't enough like and I mean, Tom Brady has to think, I always say this, he has to think that he is, like, I do not blame that guy for believing in God and thinking that he is the Messiah, because... <laughs> Everything he's done in the last 18 years, with the exception of, you know, the, the two missteps against Eli Manning, has worked out. And yeah. and that's because uh, Eli Manning is so dumb in the head, he can't be mind-controlled. He has no brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My, my cousin looks just like Eli Manning. Oh, I'm so, yeah, tell I, your cousin I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> will do. He, he, there's this picture of uh, Eli Manning with his stupid little squinty-eyed uh, smirk, and it, it, looks, it looks just like my is cousin. Is it your cousin that goes to trivia? Yes, oh, Ma- oh, Matt. I think I know what you're talking uh, yeah, about. <laughs> look, look at him at trivia next, next time, and... Uh, and you'll see it. <laughs> I would say I think your cousin looks much better than Eli Manning, but, you know. <laughs> You're a beautiful man, Matt Fuzz. I hope you listen to this. Um, but, yeah, it's been it's been quite the run for the Patriots. But the thing is, this Philadelphia team, I don't know. I'm thinking, like, there's a chance they could win. Like You think so? It'd be Nick, some kind of upset. I mean, Minnesota had the best defense in the NFL. <laughs> and Nick Foles destroyed them. And... Not even based on luck, just based on those throws were perfect. In that. Did you watch that game? I, I watched little, the first half. Yeah, some of those throws were perfect. like On point. And he'll need that precision if he wants to stand any chance against New England. It'd be really cool for him, too. You know, he was the starter, cast out, comes back, and yeah. leads them to glory even, you know, after what they uh, went through with Wentz. And it'll be really cool. <laughs> you know, um, just to shit on Jeff Fisher some more mm-hmm. because that was Jeff Fisher had Nick Foles and Case Keenum in St. Louis. They're and both couldn't leading make teams to the NFC Championship game and one to the Super Bowl. And the Rams were like one of the best teams in the NFL this year. Like fuck you, Jeff. Yeah, Fisher. that does that does nothing to uh, to cement his legacy and uh, get him another job. I hate Jeff Fisher so much. He should never have another job ever doing anything. Well, it, that's a little bit much. But. It, it clearly, it, it clearly has not worked out too well for him in recent years to watch his uh, his no. two prodigies go on and, and lead, you know, their teams to the NFC Championship. Especially game. since Nick Foles 
is Nick Foles and Case Keenum are both going to get like probably multi-year unless Keenum gets franchised. They're going to get multi-year deals for like fifteen million dollars each, and Foles deserves it. I think. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Based on this one game, if I mean, depends on what happens in the Super Bowl. If he like doesn't show up, then maybe that was an anomaly. But I don't know how against the best defense you play like that. That's true. How many points do they score? Like the thirty-eight, I think. Thirty-eight, thirty-eight to seven. Lit them, lit them up. That is, that's quite the impression. So as long as he doesn't take all that goodwill and flush it down the toilet in the Super Bowl, you would think he would be in line for a pretty nice payday. Yeah. So another interesting thing with this. Oh, here, listen to this fact before we move on to that. Um, Tom Brady has been in fifteen percent of all Super Bowls that have been played. That's now that's a crazy stat. That is a crazy stat. I, again, getting foggy on NFL history. Which number Super Bowl is this? Fifty-two, I believe. Fifty-two. So, jeez, that's that is. <laughs> well, this is it's mind-boggling, and, and parody has not been the greatest in the NFL. Um, well, the it, thing- it, it's not it's not as severe a problem as basketball, but still, you know, to be at the very top or, mm-hmm. or near getting to the championship game all those years, it's it does yeah. boggle the mind. Parody in the NFL, it's like, um, I think it is really good. It's just that there's the Patriots, and then, but like, then you've got like, there's the teams like the Vikings, the mm-hmm. Eagles, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, all teams that were in the Super Bowl. Jacksonville came that close to making yeah. their first Super Bowl, so got to give them props for that. And all those teams haven't won a Super Bowl and all missed the playoffs the year before. So, so yeah, there's something to be said for that. So, just ho- like, hopefully, it's just, fill- it's just, we've been, we've been, since our, like, when did you start watching football? The first Super Bowl I remember watching was the Patriots' first win. Yeah, and same, I have been, here. I have been, you know, I don't follow football as much as baseball, or, or I probably follow football just as much as hockey, but I, I do at least watch the Super Bowl every year. And in, in those 16, 17 years, you know, the Steelers have had a good run, Packers have had a good run, the Saints, mm. but uh, the Patriots are really just in a class of their own, and Right. I mean, all those other, I mean, see the Packers and the Saints, they've both only been to the Super Bowl once. Steelers, two or three times. Mm-hmm. But the Patriots, this will be their eighth. Like, that's just the, the reason you don't think that, not that you don't actually think this, but the reason it's perceived non parody is just because of the Patriots. Just because we were watching the best coach coach the best quarterback to ever coach it is a, play once, the game. a once in a lifetime team. Like, and. They're sh- they're not they're not just breaking records they are shattering records and these and they'll are stand for that, that, if not forever a very long time yeah I can't I cannot see them these records going away mm-hmm. like so this is one of the best things I feel about the Lions getting Matt Patricia from the Patriots he's a part of this and mm-hmm. his defense like got blown out in the first half by the not blown out but like got. Uh, they were just, being manhandled. They, yeah. they couldn't get anything going offensively. But because he's a rocket scientist mm-hmm. and an aeronautical engineering degree, um, he is knows how to change it and uh, make adjustments to shut them out or give them only like three points in the second half. Adapt on the fly, right? Which was crazy. And I'm so I'm so pumped for the Lions next season because I think they're going to be. I think they're. I don't know. I'm, I mean, you have to think he's I'm a good I'm a biased working. Lions fan, but I think they're going to the Super Bowl. That is that is fan bias. But you have to hope some of that. He, right. he has to have a good work, working relationship with Quinn, and you can only hope 
that some of that Belichick magic has rubbed off. Maybe Belichick will come up with a hoodie because I still say maybe it's just something about those hoodies. It's, yeah. it's like Thor's hammer or something. <laughs> I don't know. But And we spent so much money on offensive line last year, and they didn't gel enough yet. But So bring in a new like... guy with the new system and hope he, he can implement it. And Right. I mean, I don't, and I don't, top. and I don't think they're going with a new. Well, they're going to go with a new offensive line, offensive line coach at least. But oh, I think okay. they're keeping Jim Bob Cooter, and the Falcons. Good thing. I always, thing. I always make this comparison, but the Falcons a year before they made the Super Bowl against the Patriots last year, they got a whole new offensive line that was supposed to be really good, but then they didn't make the playoffs. They went like eight and eight, and then you know us transition the, the year after they had gelled, they made the Super Bowl. Us. We got this whole new line. It didn't really gel, but we went nine and seven still. Next year, let's go to the Super Bowl. Let's play the Patriots and let's lose to the Patriots. Three, four, like three, everyone four does. Wins. <laughs> still, uh, just to make the Super Bowl, this town would go insane. As a Lions fan, that would be. It, it, it would go insane. You know, I mean, for all the success the Red Wings have enjoyed, Pistons a decade or so ago, the Tigers mm-hmm. have always been near and dear to the city's hearts, but the Lions are the city's darlings so if they ever got there just the, the bedlam it would be something I, mean, I don't know if we'd have to grease up our poles like uh philadelphia did did you see that Phil- yeah yeah <laughs> philadelphia sports fans as far as i know are uh are one of the kind and and not yeah. always in a good way yeah cops had to literally go around greasing i, I did see that poles that's because they would climb on them just a bit <laughs> overzealous you know, I almost think that them doing that made fans want to climb on them more. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure it was like the pole mm-hmm. climb challenge or something. The new Tide Pod challenge. <laughs> Anything, anything's better than that. <laughs> Good heavens. All right, we are running low on time. So we, I did want to bring up... The MSU shit. Yeah, but before... So Patriots are, Patriots are uh, Eagles. Patriots, I'm going to say... 28 to 17. I'll say Patriots. It'll be a close game. I don't want to say points. But we are very low on time. We got about 40 seconds. Uh, MSU, we, we, I should devote most, more time to this than I will, but I'm getting a little sick of tired of talking about sexual harassment because it's fucking everywhere. Um, but this was a, one of the most evil cases of sexual harassment ever and the most, the biggest sexual harassment scandal in a college system. But basically, MSU's longtime doctor, Larry Nasser, also an Olympic doctor, has abused countless women and uh, we don't have time to get into it, but shout out to all the survivors. Thank you for telling us your story. And most importantly, if you hear something about someone doing some shady fucking shit, come forward, no matter how hard it is or whatever position you are in, like help them out. Couldn't have said it better. I do commend everyone for the courage. Beer number two, entertainment. All right, John, we're on to the entertainment segment of this podcast. Oh, yeah, my uh, my forte. I do uh, I do love this topic. Yes. Uh, what do you want to talk about? So, uh, as, as you were saying earlier, uh, big day for movies. The Oscar nominations did come, uh, were released today. Yeah, I'm going to try to pull them up real quick. I'm going to do the same. This, uh, this laptop here is uh, giving me fits. Yeah, I'm but sorry. You have to like press it hard, kind of. Quite like, is at least not clicking. Quite all right. It's uh, I get the uh, the buffering wheel of doom. Dem- but I I have an idea of of who the the front runners are so far. 
and uh, who uh, who is caused to get excited. Nine Best Picture nominees. I know uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I still haven't seen. It kind of blows my mind. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen um, a, like most of these. I know that that got nominated. That was the uh, the Golden Globe winner for Best Picture, and that's sometimes right, an indicator. I got, I got the list. So here's the list. All right, so we got The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro, Phantom Thread by Paul Thomas Anderson, Paul, one of my favorite directors. Okay, that's the that's the director, right? Yeah, okay. The Post, Steven Spielberg, Darkest Hour, Tim Bevan, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Barton McDonough. Is it Missouri? Yes. Call Me By Your Name, Luca Garuginkanu. I don't know. Sorry, terribly. I, I could I could not tell you the pronunciation myself. Gardagino, uh, Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan, Get Out, Jordan Peele, and Lady Bird by Scott Rudin. Yeah, I, I do. I do appreciate when they they expanded it to nine for the best picture. It's now granted every given year there's like two or three that it you know comes down to. Like last year, always new. You know, it's either going to be La La Land with a with a Moonlight having a small chance, but it's nice right. for the other film to get some recognition. So, yeah, yeah. Of the so of this the, year, I mean, I think the favorite is probably the post. I think I I, I would think it would be through billboards just based off what happened with um, the Golden Globes. It did win Best Picture, though the post, you know, a know, movie I a heard... movie starring Tom Hanks with Meryl Streep, mm. directed by Steven Spielberg. Sometimes you you hear the details and it's like, is there any way this movie is not going to be good? And right. and, and that, in that case, that's that's one of them. All right, so let's get this straight. Have you how many of these have you seen? I have seen three of them. I've seen Get Out, Darkest Hour, and Dunkirk. Okay. I, I did. I liked all three of them. Of the three, uh, Dunkirk was my favorite. So I think that would be my horse in this race right now. I only seen Get Out, so that's who I'm rooting for. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to see Get Out get nominated because I feel like that's I, like a sympathy nod. Like they're not gonna pick that. It, movie. it absolutely will not win. Um, it, not it could it, get. Not that it does deserve to win. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't but it's 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 nice to see it get some love because you know horror and i don't know if you, you call it a horror movie but thriller or suspense it was cool to see yeah. a movie in that genre you know it's almost like with, a different kind of genre that hasn't been invented yet yes to see a suspense thriller slash horror movie bring in the social political com- component right. like that that was what intrigued me that's that's what set it apart and made me want to watch it. Basically, like you put this in like the new category of movies that'll probably start happening called politically provocative movies. Yes, and uh, yeah, it would win for that because it's a lot of um, very compelling commentary that you're not used to in a film from that genre. So good to see them get some love. I think uh, especially because it's by Jordan Peele too, like yes. a noted comedy writer. Exactly, and, and for actor. him to branch out and you know, do something in a completely different vein. You have to give them major props for that. I think it could have a chance at original screenplay. Yeah. It also got nominated mm-hmm. for that. So that's that's where you'll see, you know, a movie that might not have a shot at one of the bigger awards, you know, you know, give them props for the screenplay at least. Yeah, but, I, uh, uh, I, always, I heard people say on podcasts listen to that, like, you know, best picture is more of a political thing anyway these days. Like, you know... Can be. The last, the last two spotlight and moonlight definitely films very timely very apropos or um telling telling interesting stories given the political mm-hmm. climate in the world today 
you know, spotlight, sh- spotlight, which was terrific. I, I watched that last year, shining a light mm-hmm. on the uh, the Catholic priest um, scandals yeah. of the early the early aughts. There, Seemed Moonlight, like half of it, mm-hmm. Moonlight, which I didn't see, but I heard uh, terrific things about. I've heard mixed things about. The thing with me is, I'm done with movies. I don't want to be, but and it's the golden age I, of television. I, I, I think I, I knew you were going there with that. I still think that from, and, and yes, television, particularly with HBO continuing to, you know, HBO, the network that did more to cement television as a viable art form than any other uh-huh. network, combined with what Netflix has done in recent years, and even even see Amazon. Yeah, now starting it's, expa- to get, it's expanding everywhere. Starting to get in the mix. There's... One of my friends put it perfectly. There's something for everyone, you know. If you want to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians or you yeah. know, the, the Jersey Shore spinoffs, you know, there, there's that for you. You know, you have uh, game shows still. But, you know, if you want to see, you know, something like Game of Thrones, which will basically amount to a 73-hour movie, you know, there's that for you as well. You know, the Breaking right. Bads, The Wire, The Sopranos. It's it, It's been something else the last really 20 years now yeah no it's all been uh i mean i i i went to film school as long along with you, you mm-hmm. went to film school. no we didn't go together but um i don't know my passion for movies has just faded with the rise of tv shows because i mean i've always been a sucker for tv shows because they suck you in so much more because you just keep thinking about them while you're waiting for the next episode to come out there there definitely is something to that and even on the flip side the the binge watching component Right, yeah, that's a whole Pardon me, thing. which Netflix okay. did, you know, more to oh, yeah, bring about sure. than anyone else. I should probably get cracking on this beer, wow. Yeah, wait, I drink fast, drink at your own pace, we always say that here. No, mm-hmm. no peer pressure. All right, but anyway, what Netflix is doing with binge-watching and whatnot to where, you know, it's, it's all right there for you. You can watch a whole season in one day if you want, uh, but there is something to be said for the anticipation, waiting week to week, and just the, the characterization on TV is, you know, that's that's what I really appreciate. You can see such terrific character arcs, you yeah. know, with a Tony Soprano or a Walter White. That right. it's very difficult to capture that in a two-hour movie. No, so. yeah, it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, like TV shows. The thing with TV shows, I mean, yeah, there's going to be dull points of everything, but. It it takes a lot more for a movie to make you feel the way a TV show show can like that's like movies that are worthy of best picture now mm-hmm. it's pro- should make you feel that way that's the thing and it should make like you feel like you just watched an entire season of a TV show in in two hours exactly and I think you're onto something with you know the, the um in the in the realm of the fine arts it has been TV shows that have left more of an impact on me in the last six years it started with game of thrones like i didn't even you know uh-huh. there were there were many great shows before game of thrones but it wasn't until that show started that i took tv seriously as a medium and then oh, okay and then you know I, so I you're st- a bit of a late bloomer yes 2012 2012 was the year i started watching mm-hmm. game of thrones and then i watched the wire and the shield and the sopranos and breaking bad um and shows like that have left more of an impact on me than the movies I've watched in the last uh-huh. few years. And it's and disheartening because when I see movies, like my two favorite movies from last year were Blade Runner 2049 and Baby Driver. It's, and It's one of the ones I want to see. Yeah, Blade Runner 2049 and Baby Driver would recommend them both. And they barely got any love from the Academy 
Blade Runner got some love in the uh, the technical departments, uh-huh. visual effects, cinematography, and whatnot. Baby Driver got an editing nod. Those were the movies that stuck with me the most. Um, and they barely, they barely got any love in the, the greater categories. Uh, so I mean, it, last year, the movie that stuck with me the most? Gosh. Probably Logan. Was that last year? Yes, it was. I loved Logan a lot, too. And Logan got an uh, adapted screenplay nod. Oh, good. That, good. Was, that was nice to see. It's just um, like, you know, coming to the... <laughs> this is actually kind of coming from, like, a TV kind of point because mm-hmm. it's the last of uh, the the Wolverine as... Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. And Patrick Stewart as as Professor X. That's the end of that storyline. And what an end it was. Yeah, yeah and, Logan was and it was the best one. Um, I mean, besides, I think, Days of Future Past. I did like uh, that one. I, I, I liked First Class. I did, too. Um, I did, too. But this one, I mean... Wolverine, Logan, or, Logan, was, Logan was was a step above them both. On the flip side, as excited as I was to see um, Logan get the adapted screenplay nod, uh, and I knew I knew it wasn't gonna get any love from the in the big time categories, but no love for Wonder Woman in uh, any of the technical categories. Yeah, uh, I, I that, see. Vi- the thing is, I didn't like Wonder Woman that much. That's surprising. I, I liked it a lot. Well, the thing yeah. is, I fucking hate superhero movies these days. They they they're it's got it's very overdone and they're very predictable. This, it is very oversaturated. Um, the mar- you know, it's nice to see a movie featuring around, around a female lead, like a superhero movie like that. Done by many. done by a female director. Yeah. So and, it's not gratuitous from right. a sexual standpoint. Like you can even take, I mean, wait, did the Justice League already come out? It came out in November and uh, wow. all, all the goodwill. Probably bombed. It did. Um, I want to say it made it made just enough to not be thought of as a flop. But you see what Justice League did, and then you look at everything that's going on with Marvel, and it just it doesn't compare. So yeah. all the goodwill. Even, I didn't even see it, and I forgot it came out last year. Mm-hmm. So I would say it. Uh. All the goodwill they built up with Wonder Woman, and, and more more all the power to them for making a superhero film revolving around a female character who is not over sexualized, right? And is independent, strong, vulnerable. A very sympathetic character, and, you know, and unfortunately, she's really the only thing going for DC right now. Because uh, right, yeah, they're um, just getting lapped by Marvel. You know, Gal Gadot should have just not been in Justice League unless they had a female director, like because females right. right now are on top of the world and they are making the best shit out there. Mm-hmm. Like on the, on that topic, now I didn't see this. Um, I heard very good things about it, Lady Bird. Um, which I think the thing is, it might... looks like it's directed by a man. Uh, no, it's directed by Greta Gerwig. Who? Okay, so then this is the only one on this list of best actors whose the first name is not the director. Then, but you're right. Yeah, directed by Greta Gerwig, who uh, came along in about ten years ago. I want to say uh, as big time part of the mumblecore movement. Uh, so she directed that one, and I know it was a big time controversy when she did not get nominated for a Golden Globe, and uh, Natalie Portman uh, shined a light on that when she was presenting it and everything. You know, here are all the all male nominees for Best Director, yeah. which you know, it, which was disheartening to see. Um, again, having not seen the film, but he, uh, apparently it's the best reviewed film on Rotten Tomatoes ever. Um, to see her not get love at the uh, at the Golden Globes, but she did get the Oscar nomination, so good for her. Dude, I don't know. This is might be just like picking into sex sexism, but if you Google like Academy Award Best Picture, it shows you these nine movies, and it, 
underneath them it says the director on every single one of them except for ladyberg it randomly says scott rudin it's very weird Instead uh, it, of credit perhaps well, I don't was, even know who that is. Well, perhaps he was the producer. Um, and so, the some other of, ones all show the director. See, though, here's here's unless the thing: they are also producers. Yes, I know. In Dunkirk's case, um, Christopher Nolan was also producer on that yeah, film. And, I'm and generally, I'm certain Steven Spielberg was. Yeah, and now and now for the um, now for the Academy Award for Best Picture, it does generally go to the producer. Right, the producers right. are in charge of that. But, but I don't know that. Yeah, that you're right. That is just. I mean, but in any case, if it is the case where they're not telling the director, then yeah, it's kind of bogus. Because uh, kudos to Greta Gerwig for creating a film that obviously resonated with quite a few people. Too. I haven't seen it yet. I want. To. I do. I, I I do like to check it out. Sure, she sure Ronan. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, she's been on my radar ever since um, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, I see that movie. And, I yeah, like that yeah, one. Yes. That, that, Honestly, the, that might be the last movie. Well, I did. I, I loved Blitter in 2049. That was so great for you know being a huge fan of the original film to walk in and be as you know as blown away as I was. That was awesome. But the last movie I saw in theaters that really filled me with a sense of wonder and made me fall in love with movies was The Grand Budapest Hotel when I saw it at the uh, Royal Oak Main Art. Yeah, I think I saw it there too. Yep, I love that theater. Yeah, I know they always show the. Like the low-key movies. Mm-hmm. And the best movies, like mm-hmm. Stag Night. Stag Night, baby! <laughs> yes, cheers. <laughs> lead actor in that, huh? Indeed. And a lead director, or d- director, not lead, just director. <laughs> Indeed, we uh, we did it right. We did it right. But, yeah, I, I, Grand Budapest was terrific. And Shershi, I, I'm pretty sure it's Shershi Ronan, um, has been on my radar uh-huh. ever since. And on, on a side note, her, her accent is it's the very definition of mellifluous. And it's... <laughs> Sexiest voice. All right. And a terrific young actress, uh, it would seem, as well. Yeah, I mean, Based you know, on her. She also got a nomination for Best Actress. Oh, oh I, we, need, we should go into that. Let's see what these nominations are. Let's start with Best Actor. You know what? Fuck that. Let's start with Best Actress. Because, you know, it's a female world now. Word. Give the ladies some love. Absolutely. I've because got it here deserve, as well. They deserve it. So we have uh, Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water. Francis McDormand. Wa- I'm really interested in that movie. So am I. Um, movie looks, Gear- Gear- looks Guillermo weird. del Toro is uh, definitely a visionary. He, ma- he makes some beautiful films to look at. Pan's Labyrinth is... Uh, uh, that movie really is a feast for the eyes. Hey, question real quick. Is Guillermo del Toro an actor too? No. Um, you could be thinking of Benicio That's del Toro. what I'm thinking of. The guy that's yeah. in Star Wars? It, yes. Yeah, okay. A small role in, uh, in episode eight there. But yes, Guillermo del Toro directed um, Pan's Labyrinth. He, he also did Pacific Rim. Hey, I like Pacific Rim. Yes, for for you know that's that's a Michael Bay action movie as it should be, mm. you know, except done with a director who cares about more than just I think explosions. When I just saw that in the beginning, the beginning of it, just go watch the very first five minutes of that movie if you haven't seen it. It just kind of like got to me for some reason. Yes, it is. Uh, it is good stuff. But yes, so lead actress, there's Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Now, I heard some shit about that movie. That movie? Some What kind of shit? Some negative shit. Mm. I do know uh, Sam Rockwell, who's nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He uh, he plays a racist cop in that. But uh, I think it's, it's shining. I think the part of the movie, again, I haven't seen it for some reason, yeah. is shining a light on... Uh, police futility and police corruption. Yeah, and uh, you know their their inability to solve this 
this murder, mm-hmm. perhaps out of misplaced priorities. I know the line from the trailer is, uh, it seems police in this town are too busy um, terrorizing black folk to solve actual crimes. So I don't, I don't know if it's the, 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 the percept, you know, the, the display of it, how it's done, if it's mm-hmm. tasteful, but apparently the, the, the movie is generating a lot of good, good press with Sam Rockwell yeah. winning Best Supporting Actor, Frances McDormand won Best Actress, and then it won Best Picture at the Golden Globe. So yeah, well, I, I'll have to check it out, but I, I heard, would like to see I heard it because some negative things, and it was like almost too much pandering well, to well, mm. like. So it could be know, it could be overdone. Immigrant crowd or something. Hmm. Weird. Well, set in a rural setting, so mm. who knows? But yeah, and then Margot Robbie and I, Tanya, which I would like to see. Uh, I Tanya about Tanya Harding oh. back back in the uh, one of my 90s. friends worked on that movie from film school. Oh, very Shout nice. Shout out to Eric Kavlinski. Shout out to you, man. I don't know if you listen to this, but if you do, shoot me a tweet. Yeah, that's that's an interesting story. Tanya Harding, a very complex figure. I'm, I wouldn't know anything about uh, the the film, though. Again, I didn't see it. This is not doing much to, uh, you know. Yeah, we I, are, we are not sounding very credible, but whatever. We love movies still. Yes, and then Shirley Ronan in Lady Bird and Meryl Streep, of course, in The Post. Um, Meryl Streep. She, she's the Tom Brady of uh, movies, basically. She was. She's the Tom Brady of mm-hmm. movies if Tom Brady's found out that she probably knew about Harvey Weinstein. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's every the whole world is changing because of all this sexual assault. Shit, it is, but. and it's definitely for the better. Um, props to everyone in the Me Too movement, you know, opening the curtain and shedding light on certainly the ugliest side of yeah. uh, show business. I mean, show business can be such a beautiful thing with, you know, you know, art is supposed to unify people, and it's it's great to bask in right. and appreciate. And you know, for that shit to be going on behind the scenes for so long, it, it's it's really is sickening. But right, it, it seems we you know, and it's obviously not completely solved yet. But yeah, you know, we fact- are moving forward as a as a species, really, and you know, yeah. shedding light on the Weinstein's and the Spaceys and uh, Jesse Lacey's. Yeah, mm. I, 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 I know it's, it's particularly tough for you, one of your favorite bands. Yeah, I know. It's, it has been tough. But, you know, the thing is, art is a business. Mm-hmm. And that is why shit like this can go down, because we do not have a control on how our business policies in relation to money are controlled. Yes. When men have so much power over women Unfortunately. and so much career choice advancement over them. Like, and unfortunately, then, it becomes so easy for those in power you know mm-hmm. what i mean th- 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 there was a, there was a time when weinstein was doing everything in hollywood he, i mean he was just he was responsible for everything mm-hmm. and you know for someone of that much power he could obviously hold it over people's heads and count his way to the top and manipulate his way to the top at the great expense unfortunately of so many women but shout out for, to rose mcgowan for starting this shit yes. like fuck yeah rose she she was the trailblazer. She got, was the one who got the ball rolling. Got your back. Used to watch Charmed as a kid, so I got you. Indeed. <laughs> um, one, all right. She in Death Proof or Planet Terror? I don't know. Yeah, she was in Planet Terror. Mm-hmm. Yes. Love Planet Terror. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the that was the genesis of um, everything that happened, bringing Weinstein down. Fortunately, Planet Terror was. Yeah, it had some. I I'm drawing a blank on, on what exactly. With Robert Rodriguez, he directed that. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I, I damn it, my friend, my friend was telling me the story and and how you know 
So that's a movie that's like that. It, it, there's uh, some there's some kind of negative experience regard you know regarding um, Weinstein. Yeah, uh, damn, I'm drawing a blank. Well, but. no worries. Let's look at the best uh, actors. Indeed. So we have Timothy Chalamet and Call Me by Your Name, Daniel Day Lewis and Phantom Thread. He probably um, wins, right? It's Daniel uh, Lewis. <laughs> actually, I don't think so. Um, damn it! Hi. They they did the announcement earlier, and, and um, Tiffany Haddish was uh, stumbling over the name too. And I'm about to as well. Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, damn it, Daniel. So, Daniel Hallelujah. From from, from get, yeah, from Get Out. So it was cool oh, okay. to see him get some love. He, uh, hey, was he in? Have you seen Sicario? I haven't. I'm surprised. Done by. Uh, Dennis Villeneuve, who did Blade Runner 2049 okay. and Arrival. Um, we were just watching like the first a little little bit of it. I heard very uh, good things about Sicario, though. I think the guy from Get Out was in it. I, oh, just, couldn't, really? I just couldn't tell exactly. Unfortunately, I would not know because I haven't seen it. I just fall, Every time I watch a movie at home, I fall asleep, too. That's another mm-hmm. problem. Yeah, that's that's no good either. <laughs> we have uh, Daniel Day... Uh, uh, we already said Daniel Day-Lewis. Denzel Washington in uh, Roman J. Israel, Esquire. Uh, Denzel's the man. Uh I think this is another case of I heard the I heard very mixed things about the movie, not mm-hmm. not exactly the, you know the most standout film, but uh, Denzel's good in basically everything, so yeah. you had to know he was going to get some love. And I would expect the favorite. I hope the one who takes it home, uh, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. Nice I to see any of these. Yeah. Fuck, I'm yeah. out of touch. Darkest Hour was a, a very talky film, but um, not you know definitely moved by words and not actions, but. It's Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill. So, he, oh he, really? Yeah, he, Winston Churchill. Yeah, That's yeah. He cool. he melted into the role. He absolutely knocked it out of the park. And with DiCaprio now having his Oscar, he might be the best actor who doesn't have one yet. So I hope this is finally the uh, the end for him. He wasn't even nominated until uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy a few years back. So uh, I do hope uh, Gary Oldman gets uh, love from Oscar in a little over a month. Uh, so we, this is the biggest question we've all been waiting to ask you about this. Does any film stand a chance to beat Coco in best animated film? <laughs> <laughs> that is the question apparently. And j- I, apparently not. Yeah, Co- Coco's no, at Pixar like, Pixar wins that every time there's every year. Uh, I know Rango. Do you ever see Rango? With, no. I, I don't think. Oh, is that the one with Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp is the chameleon. I love that movie. That that one best picture, best animated film over a Pixar movie. Yeah, I don't. Pixar. Or was it just one of the years there wasn't one? Because they used to do it like every. They used to do one every two years. Hmm. Rare misstep for Pixar for them to not to win, but <laughs> yeah, I loved Rango. And but other than that, it pretty much always is a Pixar movie. But you know what? You know, Pixar is nauseatingly consistent. It. Yeah. Pixar, again, the Tom Brady parallel, you know, in yeah. the in the realm of animated films. Pixar is Pixar, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Yes. Everyone else is far behind. You ever, you ever read about the Pixar theory? What's that? Dude, it's a crazy theory where all the films are connected. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, it's yes. pretty wild. That, pretty wild. that is like, I mean, wasn't there like some some toys from Toy Story that end up in the junkyard at Wally or something like that. Yeah, like well there's always little easter eggs in their movies mm-hmm. because it's you know the same company. The the main thesis of the story is that it takes place on this timeline from like starting at Brave cuz that's the farthest back one right and ending at Monsters Inc. And they're saying like Monsters Inc is just like the earth in the very far future. 
Um, so it mm-hmm. starts with like Brave and then like the witch and Brave starts making all the, I mean, I've never seen Brave, but this is just, I know this, this uh, theory pretty well, but he starts making all the animals talk in it. Mm-hmm. And like, they start like talking and eventually going up to like the future, like animals start talking and like finding Nemo and stuff. And they start like communicating and stuff. And then, um, t- eventually toys start talking like in toy story and eventually you get to Wally and like there's the, so the progression all yeah. makes sense. Right. And then movie in, to movie. In, in Wally, the, the earth is like decimated and garbage filled and people live on some other planet and then it's Blade Runner for kids. Yeah, that's basically Wally. <laughs> and then, but there's a crazy twist in it. And then there's Monsters Inc., which the monsters are supposed to be like evolved animals that could talk, and so they're all mm-hmm. talking. And the doors that they go through to scare people in are actually traveling back in time. Ooh. And Boo, the little girl in it, uh, she eventually, after she gets like sent away or whatever, or loses Sully and. Mike, I think, with their names. She eventually starts going back and forth through all the doors and eventually lands in the brave as an older lady, and she's the witch that made people start talking. Oh. Closes the loop. Wow. Pretty cool theory. You should read up and on it. Th- that is, th- those are just always the best for fanboys like us, you yeah. know, who, who love to obsess over these little details, and, and it, it, is, it is a blast, stuff like that. Uh, Tarantino's universe is like that, too, apparently, to where every film is connected, many have claimed. Is he coming out with a movie this year or what? No, but uh, apparently in development is... um, And this is also very cool because, uh, alluding earlier to the times we live in and uh, perilous times they are, you you know, with everything that's happened, race relations, political relations really Mm. in the toilet, no thanks to our president. Um, It reminds a lot of people of the 60s. Again, I wasn't there, but... uh, it's been, it's been it's they've drawn parallels. So bottom line, Quentin Tarantino is making a film about, I think it's just basically it's 1969, and dealing also a lot with uh, the Charles Manson murders. Okay. And word on the street, I, I would think it'd be for the role of Charles Manson is he has recruited Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio for another uh, for another collaboration after Django Unchained. Hopefully to play Charles Manson because that would be stimulating Dude, shit. I don't know. I don't. I'm not that big of a fan of Leonardo DiCaprio for some reason. That that is hard. That is hard to believe because I think he is. I can't. I think the last. I film, like young him. I don't like old him. Like I love see, Catch Me If You Can. I love Titanic. Titanic never did much for me, but that was because I was eight years old when it came out, and <laughs> you know, and I, I grew tired of hearing, you know, my uh, my. Uh, female contemporaries ooing and going over him but in, re- in retrospect he's a good looking dude he's a good looking dude so i'm just I a sucker I, for romance i i understand as as am i as am i to a different extent but um i, I love i love letter to dicaprio he, he has become his generation's de niro i would say and that that goes beyond just his collaboration with, with martin scorsese Okay, his, well, his his devotion, every role, his intensity is just think, off the charts. I mean, have you heard the story about Django Unchained, the the dinner scene? I mean, this guy accidentally breaks a glass on his hand. He's actually bleeding profusely from his hand, and he doesn't break character for an instant. Just stays in it, does the whole scene. Tarantino loves it so much, he keeps that as the take. And when they say cut the room erupts into a standing ovation just because of his devotion to his craft yeah i think i, mean, Dica- I, I think dicaprio is amazing he's it was good to see him finally get some oscar love uh two years ago 
Yeah, and that's let me. I don't know. So I think it's, for me, it started my hatred, not hatred, but dislike of DiCaprio started with Wolf of Wall Street, and what I felt like was overacting at points, and and I feel like so, he continued to overact because mm. he never got an Oscar, and then it came with all to fire with the Revenant, where even the so, whole way they filmed that movie was unsafe and ridiculous. And you can make, I mean, I get you want to get the best performance of your actors, but there's a point where you don't need to make them that cold and that you don't need to make a vegan actor in Leonardo DiCaprio eat meat and whatnot. You know, it's just, it's just overacting to me. Fair, fair enough. I think there's definitely something to be said for great physical acting though. You know, it, it was his castaway, you know, to throw him out in the wilderness and for all the great monologues he's done in his career, you know, in Django Unchained and Django Unchained and inception and the the departed you know he's a, he's, he's a great physical actor as well and he really showed that off in the revenant and that's probably what put him over the top is you know it was it was the complete showcase of everything he brings to the table would uh, you we're almost out of time would you say he's your most favorite actor no my favorite actor is russell crowe uh right. he he is kind of been in a, a falling on hard times doing that uh, that mummy movie which heard was terrible fear number three Oh, the president grabbed me. I do. Uh, that that little ad in there is, it, it's sad, but it, it is funny. Yes, thank you, Melissa. That'll be a part of this podcast forever. <laughs> and an, an indelible contribution. Thank you, Melissa. So, on to politics. Uh, what you want to start with? I mean, a lot of happened over this last course of this week. There's, there's something happening every week, and it's never good. It's crazy. It's crazy how much shit is going on constantly. How much shithole is going on constantly. Oh, boy. Yeah, don't even get me started on that. It's just... Well, the biggest oh. thing that's going on is the government was shut down over the weekend. Yeah, that's... they could not... The Democrats and Republicans could not agree on a, a spending bill, even though the Democrats and the Republicans came together on a bipartisan effort to put forward an immigration bill that would include spending that would give a path to citizenship for those on DACA, uh, the Dreamers, which I forget exactly what DACA stands for. As do I. But basically, the, it, it, it is uh, the children that were brought into this country illegally by their parents that did not have a choice in the matter and have been living here for upwards of 40 years that... They would have a path towards citizenship and have to face deportation. So on on this topic of the shutdown, um, I'm just saying I, I would love to have a time machine to to go back. When was the last one? Was it 2013? Yeah. Uh, so Donald Trump, in his infinite wisdom, just he he can't think anything without putting it on Twitter and telling the world world about it. So uh, in the spirit of his other bit talking about the pitfalls of the uh, electoral college. And what a sham that is, yeah. and of course the dark, the dark irony that the electoral, co- the electoral college is what got Donald Trump in the White House. Uh, back in the day, around the time he was uh, sadly starting to foray into politics, he also said, um, "You know, for all you know, a government shutdown basically comes to the president. It is the buck stops with the president. It's entirely on him if the machine breaks." And yep. Yep. look what happened a, a year into Trump's. Uh, First term. Yep, and he's calling, another government shutdown. He's calling it the Schumer shutdown, which is, I think, Democratic majority leader Chuck Schumer is what that's based off of, but it's not. It's it's 
not even a Republican shutdown. It is just Donald Trump shutdown, in my opinion, because they came together with a bill, a bipartisan bill that that they were putting forward, and that's when the shithole comments came out. Mm. When they had a meeting with him, you know, and he's told he previously rather had convenient said, timing, don't you think? Right, and he previously had said that he would support, he wouldn't get in the way of any bill that they came together bipartisan, if it, as long as it was bipartisan, and. I don't know. I don't understand how you can blame it. Any time, man, any time in this day and age, any time the, the Dems and Repubs can actually come together and agree on something to see it then immediately stymied and shot down by a, a megalomaniacal, right. man, you know, the, the man in power. It's just, it's so disheartening. Like it, it, the thing is like the majority on the Republicans, the Democrats and the people of the United States they all support the dreamers and to find a path towards citizenship for them because they are a big contribute contribution to our economy. Like they've been here for so long and they yes. have families here and they are going to college and they are producing money for the United States. This uh this xenophobia that has grown and it's been it's been growing for a very long time, but in, in recent years it just it, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, America needs an expanding labor force to keep up with China and everyone. And right. you're just going to completely stymie and stall that by blocking immigration. And as I was, as I was mentioning earlier in the night, uh, before we started the podcast, um, and, and now the, the House, the House Republicans want to do away with legal immigrants, which just blows my mind. No, yeah, it's... It, it, they just want it to be white. They, yeah, they want. I mean, Donald Trump said it best himself. Why can't we get more immigrants from countries like Norway? Yeah, I was listening. Notoriously to you, white. I was listening to your bit with uh, with with uh, Nyson about this, and you know, Scandinavia for all their uh, for all they're doing right. And apparently, the uh, they routinely rank very high in uh, happiness and whatnot. Uh, diversity will never be. One of their uh, strong points. Nothing, n- nothing for them to fall uh, to. You know. No, that's to one build of the, their platform that's, on. That's one of the things that made America great and the most powerful country in the world is our diversity. Exactly. It's just I, I. It blows my mind what a difference a century makes. You know, my favorite president, Teddy Roosevelt, once went off. He beamed with pride, talking about immigrants who wanted to come to America and you know become Americans, assimilate into our culture, and contribute. To this country, and yeah. and and now we want to keep everyone out. I mean, it, honestly, I'm just I'm just now starting to think about this. Like, can you think of a country that's more diverse in terms of race and ethnicity than the United States? It, with regards to how large we are as a nation, the third most populous country on earth. They don't. They don't. I, f- I know they don't have this diversity in China. I know they don't have this diversity in India, so. or Canada, or Russia. Maybe maybe Canada, but I doubt. No, I doubt it. No, if Canada. Not at all. Mm-hmm. We have a which which makes us different, and I understand that makes what our law, our laws seem to be different. But it also is one of the things that makes us the greatest nation. Like, do you think that I think that is a big factor into how we became the most powerful country? Absolutely. It, it you know everything Trump and his constituency are trying to build on it goes against it goes against the very essence of the American dream. That you know, you you know, you, whether you were born here, you wanted to come here, you know, you could make a living for yourself. You could do what you wanted to do. Yeah. You could build a better future 
build a better, better world for your children. And the, the agenda that's been pushed the last year, that is not, is not how we get there. I know that. Yeah, I think, like, you know, the fact that everyone wants to come here or wanted to come here mm-hmm. and wasn't afraid to come here and knew there was a chance to, to thrive here made us, like, that because of how desirable it would be to live here, that does help you in terms of your success as a country, you know? Like Exactly. I mean, We're just losing that. Immigrants have a ton to contribute to our economy. So just checking this article I've got here. Um, so, yeah, immigrants already increase U.S. gross domestic product by roughly $2 trillion annually. $2 trillion annually. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. From immigrants added to our workforce. We're, and, we're kicking out mm-hmm. money in our pockets. It, it may, it may, from an economic standpoint, you can't justify it. Now, um, the dialogue about illegal immigration is a complicated one. I understand that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't propose to have any solutions there. Um, but on the basis of legal immigration, people who are, you know, going through and, and, and trying to enter this country, you know, lawfully and legally, for us to turn them away um, in numbers that haven't been seen since the 20s, apparently, it it boggles the mind. Right. Yes, That that's exactly the point. And... You know, even illegal immigrants in the country now, they are still contributing to society in exactly. taxes and everything. They get, like, all the negatives but none of the benefits of being a citizen. Like, they work exactly. for lower wages, which is why we can have, like, the kind of farm system we do. And we can have, like, contracting jobs. That they, that's why they, they're the ones that you always see, like, Mexican people working. And it's not fully exclusive, but, like, working jobs that they couldn't afford to pay people minimum or more than or at least minimum wage you right. know because you know they'll do anything work the hardest workers among all of us uh is in illegal immigrants because they don't want to go back to where they're from for each everyone has their own reasons mm-hmm. and they're, they're going to do whatever it takes to make their life for either themselves yeah, or their kids better here. whatever whatever reform is imp- is established for you know, the, the current immigration laws in this country, I have always just been on the side of those who have gotten here already, amnesty. I, for, right. for, for them, you know, don't punish them for, you know, the system was broken, there were leaks, and they took advantage, and they got here. And many of them are contributing to our economy, so. Right, and I can't admit, I, I just, it doesn't make sense at all to me why we would deport people as in children that were brought here by their parents against their will that grew up their entire lives here and don't know anything other it than It really their, is heartless. What what would what would even be the benefit of that other than racist tendencies? Those because that will that will never be part of Trump's constituency. That will never be they will never be the ones holding him up and keeping him yeah, in power. Trump Trump's playing to his base which is Probably yep. about twenty percent of the Republican I do, side. I do just I I have to hope that it's 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 just house of cards, and that's all. Though in, in, though in Trump's case, you know, he he does, he does strike me as enough of a narcissist and uh, an egomaniac to actually believe this shit he's spewing. But you know, I think and, Trump's a workable person, and he he can be manipulated easily. And the Democrats aren't doing that well enough. No, they don't exactly have their shit together either, which is a major reason why he he's there in the first place they 
Yeah. They, t- they took a big gamble when they sabotaged Bernie Sanders' campaign and right. put all their uh, their eggs in Hillary's basket. Yeah, and then they didn't have Hillary campaign at all in Michigan or Wisconsin or Pennsylvania. They thought it was a slam dunk, and lo and behold, they, they underestimated... Um, how that, racist the world is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was I was baffled when uh, and, and I think it's when more Michigan of, went for Trump. Honestly, I think it's more of how sexist the world is. Like, mm-hmm. I think if if Hillary Clinton was a man, she would for sure be the president. Uh, I, I believe that's definitely that, that, that could definitely be part of it. Uh, you know, I, I bottom line though, literally met people that told me that Hillary can't be president solely because she's a woman. Uh, Saying that like, other countries aren't going to respect us if we have a woman leader. It's like, okay, you don't know anything then because you don't know about Angela Merkel or Theresa May of other big superpowers in the world. Like, come on. As an educated, enlightened person living in the 21st century, I just, I can't understand how anyone who thinks that, you know, if, if you think that, you're a piece of shit, but do your thing. Yeah. Just how could you ever <laughs> expect me to agree with you? Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, I mean, I'm always one saying, like, if people don't know or don't understand things or think different ways, I'm always one striving to talk with them and talk it out. Because there comes to a point, like, if if you get another person to respect you that believes differently, then you can tell them these facts they can't deny, and slowly you will erode their beliefs. We I do believe that the, we have to be. The dialogue is very, dialogue. it's yeah. very important. And I give you props for this, Nick, because this is exactly what you're doing through the podcast. You are encouraging people to talk about these things civilly and maturely as adults, which we, we've seen a serious uh, disintegration of in, you know, social media. I mean, oh, yeah. as, as much, as much as I love it, uh, I've, I've never met a woman I love yeah. more than Facebook, <laughs> but um it, it it has deteriorated our um, public discourse in this country, and if we're if we're gonna get this shit um, turned around, if we're if we're gonna get to where we need to, it, it is not mm-hmm. through bickering and bantering on social media. Yeah, I mean, you you can talk about issues and disagree, and that's okay. I mean, I honestly think the best way for everything is like, I don't think I'm right on everything, but I think that there's a way in the middle we got to get back to that middle that's why we have two too parties. many people too many people do not have that uh humility to accept that you know maybe i don't have this shit completely figured out maybe i'm not entirely on top of this like i, I, don't, I don't claim to be an economist i right. I, I, I don't yeah, claim to I, I i don't you know i took one economics class in college i think uh mm. i wasn't particularly uh, intrigued by it and I was, I was i was taking movie classes and that had my that had my full attention but you know i at least you know i i know what i don't know and i feel like not enough people are like that yeah i mean there's certain things that like you can't wave around like and most of those are social issues and it's like okay gay rights that's that's, that's basically where i'm entirely at it's right. just you, you you look at it from a rudimentary standpoint which you know I, I tr- I've tried to become more politically informed in recent years, but rudimentary is usually the best you get with me. You, you look at the quadrant, you know, fiscally conservative, fiscally liberal, mm-hmm. socially conservative, socially liberal. Fiscally conservative is a defensible standpoint. Fiscally liberal is a defensive is a defensible standpoint. Uh-huh. Socially liberal is a defensible standpoint. But if you're a social conservative, you're probably just an asshole. Right. And, and the thing is, like, you're allowed to believe, like, okay, maybe you believe gay people shouldn't get married. Maybe you believe 
uh, people shouldn't be allowed to have abortions. And I get that. That's fine. If you're basing it off of your religious beliefs or whatnot. But the thing is, you also tend to believe in that way that you believe in the Constitution. And the Constitution specifically states separation of church and states. It's one so, of the biggest and best ideas so in like, the Constitution. You keep your beliefs to yourself, and we won't tread on them. Just don't, you can't force them on other people. And you're doing that with your vote when you're voting for people who believe in these certain things or trying to oppose, not even believe in them, but are trying to impose them on others. Exactly. Like, and that's just. You know, I'm the biggest component for, I guess I'm more libertarian than anything in this regard. I'm just the biggest component for personal liberty. Do what makes you happy as long as you're not fucking with other people. And right. the people on the other side of the spectrum, just no one ever taught them to mind their own business. I mean, if you would prefer to date people of the opposite gender, then do that. But, you know, yeah. who are you to tell people um, who they can and cannot love? Right. There's nothing unnatural about un, it. That you can't even help yourself. Yeah, there, there's nothing unnatural about it. There's nothing, you know, shock therapy is not going to work. Sorry, Mike Pence. And it's not a problem. So basically where I'm at, I want to see the day where, you know, we, we accept that, you know, uh, the LGBT community are humans just like anyone else and can marry who they mm -hmm. please. Uh, I want to see a world where we agree that it's it's kind of bullshit that black people are four times more likely to be arrested for pot-related offenses yeah. than a white person, even though um, black and white people basically smoke pot at the same rate. And where 40% uh, of police shootings are against black men, even though they only make up 6% of the population. In indeed. Uh, I mean, all the, all the love in the world to the Black Lives Matter movement, if you don't understand why it's necessary, you're... You're either an asshole or you're not paying close enough attention. If you don't understand why the Black Ma Ma Lives Matter movement isn't a thing, please, or is a thing, please come talk to me and I will explain it to you in a very calm way. And uh, <laughs> one last entertainment plug, uh, also just watch The Wire because that, that, that did more to open my, my eyes to um, the plight and the, uh, the, unsor the unfortunate circumstances that African Americans deal in this country than probably anything. I've watched, um, and obviously it's a work of fiction, but um, eye-opening shit. Watch The Wire yeah, for, for that reason and many others. How do you feel about this? I, this, I think I decided a, like a while ago that I'm done saying African-American, and I'm just saying black because I don't think African-American makes that much sense anymore. See, I'm, I'm fine with that, but um, to not go too... Uh, Hardcore on the other spectrum with this, you know, uh, you do have to be wary of the times we live in. And as hard as it is to believe, someone could take offense to calling someone right, a but black like, person. You could I, say someone who's a Haitian and yep. you can call them African-American and that's incorrect. <laughs> but if you call them exactly. black, it's, it's right. I mean, I don't, so here's I don't think th black people care that you call them black. Here's a big problem. No one, and, and granted, being untrusting of people and generally trying to be self-sufficient and... Not being too comfortable with people until you know them it may be a good idea in general, but no. But the lack of trust people have in each other is it's baffling and it's a big problem. Like um, people just assume people have uh, negative intentions, and right. Like uh, if I were to refer to uh, someone as a black person and they took offense to that, that's it's not at all what I'm trying to say. Um, I just think I think that might be like a myth. I guess mm -hmm. I don't know because I'm not a black person, right. but. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no hostility toward African-Americans or black people. So, you know, I, th I think, you know, a as a white man, as a white man, it's just, I, I owe it to you to 
you know, be as wary and aware of your, um, wary is not the right word. Aware is what I meant. Aware of, you know, your position and your wants. And because, you, you know, as people like Dave Chappelle and uh, Samuel L. Jackson and even, you know, and even white men like Quentin Tarantino have brought to uh, the, the, the forefront, you know, they are historically um, disenfranchised, you know. So we owe it to them to be very aware of what, what's going on in this country and yeah. why, you that's, know, that's so many of them are in jail for bullshit reasons. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I stand by everything. Like, I, I think I understand systematic racism mm-hmm. very comprehensively. Mm-hmm. And, on a, and on a familiar topic, getting back to the Me Too movement, we, we owe it to them to be aware of uh, workplace inequality. Yes. Sexual harassment yeah. and uh, misconduct yeah. in the workplace. You know, on, a, on a related topic, <laughs> it goes hand in hand with Black Lives Matter. If you don't understand why feminism is absolutely necessary, you're you're either an asshole or you're not paying close enough attention. Yeah, and it's probably you're just not paying close enough attention. And you, you mean you might turn into an asshole because of that. But you, I just honestly just believe you just don't understand mm-hmm. or you're being ignorant toward, towards the facts. Yep. But, and that's that's where I'm coming at as a as a heterosexual white man is you know I I'm with you I, I am on your side I, I I want to be as aware as I can of everything you're going through and you know yeah I, we're, I, we're, I, we're me and John John and I both we're both willing to listen and both willing yes. to understand better we, yeah we, we'd like to, we'd like to know and that's what yep. you, and, and all our male listeners you know, out there. You should be that way too. You know, for every asshole that's down in Charlottesville with a tiki torch, you know, there's guys like us who, you know, aren't we're, burying our heads in the sand right. and Maybe sticking to. Maybe we're not doing w- enough, but we're not causing the problem. Indeed, well, but I mean, maybe but, that but, is a problem. But, I don't know. Yeah, but you you owe it you owe it to minorities and women to be aware of these things and mm-hmm. and and try to be better. Try to do better. Try, you know, because best way to do that is with your vote. Exactly. Midterms this year. Um, if things go shitty enough for Trump and his constituency, then he could be out in two years. Yes, let's hope. Um, also, while we were uh, doing this podcast, I was followed by uh, this woman named Lori Pohutsky. Um, she's running for state representative in the Livonia district in the Michigan House of Representatives. Um, I'm just scrolling through her tweets. She seems progressive. She seems to care about a bunch of things. So follow her on Twitter at L Pohutsky. That's L P O H U T S K Y nineteen. And check her out. But uh Woo, thanks she's for telling a woman. Nick, you won't regret it. She's a woman, she's a millennial, she's running for Livonia House Representatives. Let's take this shit back. Let's let's try to get educated about who we're gonna vote for. And that's cool to see someone our age, you know, trying to make an impact in local politics yeah. because, you know, that's that's where it starts, you know. This is one of the things I meant to do on the intro, but I forgot to. So, did you make a New Year's resolution? Mm, make more movies. That was really it. Okay. I um, decided that I'm not going to make one until my birthday because I need time to think about it, what I'm going to do. That's smart. And I decided today what I want mine to be. So, I want my resolution to be, I want to go to most, if not all, of the city council meetings in Garden City where I live. And I'm going to start doing that as of next Monday if there's one there. 
and good deal you know i might make a podcast of it try to explain what's going on just like a little 15 minute garden city podcast every couple weeks uh, but I want everyone to be more involved in their community because that's where it starts. It I starts dig that. Your You're community. exactly right. I can get behind that. You know, it gets overlooked mm-hmm. with, you know, talking about, you know, the House and the Senate right. and, you know, the people, the, the, the power players in Washington. Yeah. You know, you do have to realize, you know, all these guys and, and, and women and women started out in I think guys is community. like a non-gendered term at this point. Yeah. But yeah. at least See, in the that's, Midwest. That's the thing. That's what I mean. That's that's what I mean. I mean it gender neutral, but yeah. they all started off somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a community, and you know that that's where. Well, except for you know guys like Donald Trump who were just lucky enough to be yeah, born to the right family and you can. Know, that's, that's part of Donald Trump's like issues. Is he's born into all this wealthiness. It's he doesn't learn the things that we've learned. Indeed, you can't really fault him. I I don't even know what I fault him for other than being a product of a shitty system, like. What's essentially what it is? <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I, he could be a better person. Now, yeah, there are and, people that are better than him. But he's I, I don't also... want to. I don't want to get in the ha- in the habit of giving Donald Trump compliments. But yet, in spite of that, is, uh, that is far from a compliment. But, <laughs> but no, but in spite of coming from such privilege and mm-hmm. wealth, he managed to find a uh, a base among poor white people, and he took it and ran with it and got all the way to the White House. And uh, it, slowly but surely, fucking them all over. Yeah, uh, uh, this tax bill is not going to be good for them. Some kind of sick irony, I tell you. You know, the biggest thing about the tax bill that I just found out about is it gives uh, incentives for companies to switch to machine-automated employees instead of physical employees. And that's just going to hurt everything and make the whole switch faster than it already was going to be, which, you know, is an inevitability. Like, have you seen the new Amazon shop that opened? Yes. It's a, there's no right. cashiers. You literally just go in, pick out your stuff, and leave. Don't check out. Don't even scan your stuff on your phone. It just knows because of not sure how, either geolocation or facial recognition with a bunch of security cameras. It's fucking crazy. But uh, That is some next-level, like, yeah, that, so Fahrenheit and, 451 shit. So so combine that. like 1984. So, so the, God. They, all the grocery stores, so I said they all eventually turn to that because they're going to have to compete with that. There's no more. I mean, Kroger's already going self-checkout entirely soon, I believe. Um, so you take away those jobs. Self-driving cars happen, and then there's like a monumental amount of jobs taken away, like taxi cabs, Lyft, Uber drivers, then truck drivers. Anything where your job involves driving a car, that's done. So why I'm, tr- why I'm trying to get out of the game? Then I was a driver. What, for a long what do time. we do with all these people? That is the question. You can either it's, retrain them to do like tech jobs, which probably they don't need that many, or train them to go into a field that's ever burgeoning and ever becoming less dependent on manpower. Uh, it's right. You so, know. so the thing is, eventually, and this is going to happen no matter what. I guarantee it. There's going to be a mandatory living wage. That's going to be a tax thing where everyone gets a certain amount of money that can they can survive on if they even if they don't do anything. That's going to happen, and it's going to be just like Social Security and just as popular as Social Security. And the, whatever party introduces that bill in the Congress first is going to rule this country for like 40 years after that, just like how the Democrats ruled after they introduced Social Security. I will say it'll be very interesting uh, just with how things are going to change when the, uh, the old guard is gone and 
the new guard millennials are are running yes. things what we're going to see like and, Rory mm-hmm. and I, I don't I, I you know I'm, I'm sure they won't all be good ideas but I'm, I'm i'm sure the change will be better for the most part um for all for all the shit people talk about this generation um generally it, it, it's been concluded that you know we're, we're the most tolerant we're the most uh colorblind and we're the but, smartest yeah, go, I mean, go it, us. It's statistically proven that every generation is like 18 IQ points smarter than the previous one, just based on like access to and information. Just, you know, it maybe it is too much in some settings, you know, the, the growth of technology and we can get lost in our phones and whatnot. But you know what? Um, the Internet has also just given a wealth of information, yeah. a wealth of history at our fingertips. And when you can become learned in these things it's you know, it, it's hard it's hard to be prejudiced it's hard to right. be racist when when you, you know you know about civil rights and you no know one, about gandhi you you know the, these things are readily available to us and we can learn you no know, none of us i don't think any of us millennials are like consciously racist and consciously prejudiced and consciously sexist because like, i think we get it there's just we're just we are maybe systematically we, those things and like subconsciously mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm sure I'm subconsciously a little bit of all of those because no, no one is perfect. Right. We are all infallible. We, uh, uh, you know, we all have our shortcomings. But I think our generation is just the most aware of these things and, or, and trying or, or to do would them. Would you say, would you say woke? That, that is how we put it. <laughs> woke. Yes, indeed. Aware of these things. I think that's a good example of woke. Exactly. Exactly. And, and we are trying. We're doing our best. And props to us for that. Yeah, uh, I mean we're close to the end. We're not that close, but that would have been perfect if it would just end it there. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we'll have to make do. All right. So, <sighs> wow. I mean, this political segment of this podcast is always just making me a little upset every it, time. It, 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 it I, I'm with you on that. You know, it's it's why I, I don't talk about it as much as I should, just because it can get so upsetting, but it is necessary, Nick. It, yeah. is, it is absolutely necessary for us to have these conversations and get to the root of, uh, you know, what is what is wrong with this country. Because like like you, you know, I, I love America. I, I, I love America because I know America is more than you know, a bunch of people who sit in Washington and call the shots. America is a people. It's, you know, it's an idea. And it, it we can get back to, you know, to what we to were. To being respectable. And, and, and obviously, you know, we've done some things in our history that are regrettable. But, you know, this country has always had good intentions. And I think, you know, we can, we can get back to... Or, to mean, prop- even, even if we haven't always had good intentions, we can get to where we have good intentions. Exactly. I, I haven't given up on that. At, right. And, and that's, why, that's why I still love this country. And uh, that's why I am shouting out Lori Pohutsky. Hey, Follower. if you want to come on her. my podcast, Lori Pohutsky, I would be insane if you wanted to be on it. I could get you like access to a bunch of people in Livonia, Michigan, you know, and it'll just take an hour and a half of your day on a, a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, whatever. Come on. You won't regret it. It's awesome. <laughs> well, everybody. This has been the Split Six podcast. John, how's it feel being on it? Pretty awesome. This was uh, this was everything I'd uh, I'd hoped it would be. I'd wanted to been on the podcast for some time, so I'm glad I finally made it happen. And I will be back. Thank you for having me, brother. 
You're welcome. And everybody, thanks for listening. Please follow us at, uh, well, follow me at nwagella on twitter.com. At nwagella. Email us at split6podcast at gmail.com. That's split the number six podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Split Six Media and subscribe, rate, and review to us and wherever you get your podcasts at Split Six Media. Remember, it's always more important to listen to what someone else is saying than for someone else to listen to what you're saying. And as always, thanks for splitting six with us.